This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. I love it, I love it, I love it. You know what's really cool is there's not a lot of things that, that work for long, right? Like I went home the other day and, and the, my old Nintendo, it doesn't work anymore. But 2,000 years later, the cross, Calvary, still works. It still works. It still works. Amen. God is so good. Before, before we get into our, our, our scriptures here, and would you just high-five someone to your left and your right? Just tell them, it still works. It still works. God bless you guys. You're amazing. We love you guys. Thank you for worship. What a great spirit we feel in the house today. How many's loving the weather? Sunshine. Man, it's just, it's so nice. We're loving it. We're enjoying it. And uh, I do, I, I do as a, as, a, as a man, a chubby man, I do appreciate a colder weather with a sweater or a vest. But I do really, after a long winter, I really am excited about summer. It's going to be a fun time. And this summer, we're planning on getting into our, our new building sometime mid to late summer. So we're excited about that. Amen. Anybody excited about that? And then, and then in just two weeks, so not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, uh, it's going to be Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we're in the, uh, the Jewish calendar of the month of Nisan right now, the fifth day of Nisan. The 14th will be 14th of Nisan, which will be uh, a week from tomorrow. Uh, Passover begins the, the Passover week, so it's a lot of great, th- great season, a great season of change and hope, and so we want to partner with you. Uh, statistics say that eight out of ten people will say yes to an Easter invitation, and statistics also say that Christians, only about 2% of Christians invite uh, others to Easter service. So can you imagine if we could fill that gap and what an impact we can make, not just locally, but, but uh, in North America and globally, if, if we would summon the opportunity and say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go big and invite people to God's house to hear the hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many will partner and uh, make a plan to, to bring somebody, fill up an entire row, because our team has been working overtime Put together a great Sunday where we can really amplify what God has done and what He is doing, what He's going to do. You're going to love it, and you're going to think, man, I wish I could have, my neighbor, I should have asked, because that service is going to be powerful and wonderful, and you're going to love it. We're going to love it, and God's going to come in this place, and His glory is going to meet us here. We're going to have a great, great time as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about uh, Easter and uh, Resurrection Sunday. We're going to talk about Easter as most of us uh, know it as Easter, and uh, we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 3 because we're going to be talking about kind of the why. As we get into this season, I kind of want to unpack the why behind Easter, like why, why Easter? What's the big deal about the death, burial, resurrection, and how does this apply to me? And so as we get into this season, I like to get our hearts knit together of the purpose, the cause and effect, the reason why we do Easter. So we're going to go into Genesis chapter 3. It's the story of Adam and Eve, and, and uh, you know it. Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit and, and that whole plight. And, and most people know the story about Adam was made first. How many knows that? Adam was made first, and then God made Eve, right? We know that. And then, but a lot of people don't know the backstory. So the backstory is, is God comes to Adam and is like, hey, Adam, um, you, this is, you're, it's not really working out. And uh, so I got an idea. I'm going to give you 
um, a better version of you, and, and we're going to call her Wool Man, okay? And, um, and she's going to, whenever you come home from work, uh, dinner will be ready. She'll massage your feet. Um, if you throw your clothes on the floor, she's not going to mind. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, you know, uh, always, always, uh, whenever at any request, uh, always at the beck and call, all that stuff. Da, da, da. And, and, and Adam's like, wow, this is amazing. What is this going to cost me, God? And God said, an arm and a leg. And Adam said, what can I get for a rib? That was terrible. That was the worst joke ever. And for all you guys that laughed, mark them. Ladies, mark those guys that laughed. That was not, that was not good at all. All right. Anyways, I'm going to move on very quickly. Here we go. Genesis chapter 3 and 1. The Bible says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now as we, as we kind of dive into this epic Genesis chapter 3, I want you to understand that when, when Satan comes to, to, to speak to humanity, he uses a vehicle, he uses the serpent, and it says that he, he went out and he chose the most crafty, the most subtle beast that he could find. Satan didn't come to Eve with like a pitchfork and horns. He didn't come, that, he didn't come as a bear. He didn't come and tie her up and force feed her the forbidden fruit. No, he comes crafty. He comes subtly. And this is how sin works and this is how Satan works. He's going he's gonna to creep into your world. He, and you're almost to a point where you're like, like there's no harm here. There's no danger here. And all of a sudden, there's this dialogue and now a question. And basically, the question's like, so you can't eat any of the fruit, huh? Obviously, Satan knows that she can and they can. He knows that there's one tree that's forbidden. But he's getting her to, like, begin to doubt. Like, real, like, like oh, you, what's going on here? Can't eat all the fruit? Oh, no, 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 we can, we can. Uh, verse 2, the woman said, we may eat. From the trees in the garden, yeah, this is all ours. But God said, you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Now, a lot of people have a problem here at this point. This is where people get frustrated because they're like, why would God give us a tree that we can eat from, the tree of life, and yet have the audacity to have a tree that we can't eat from? Have you ever thought that? Be honest. Be honest. You're like, like, what's the big deal, God? Like, why, why are you gonna, why are you gonna go and do that, right? Like, why you gotta, why, why can't we just, why can't we just have everything? And that's not how one relationship works, and that's not how God works. In fact, the highest virtue in God's economy is love, and love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. I choose to love. And so let's think about a choice because not, not only do we make choices in life, we're made by our choices. We're not just making decisions. You're being made by your decisions. Every decision you make is making you, right? So it's not the condition of our life. It's the decisions of our life that matter. And so you are the product of your decisions. And so here's what you got to understand. When we make a decision, it's actually twofold. We don't just make a decision for yes, this. By saying yes to this, we're also saying no to a lot of other things. Does that make sense? If I say yes to marrying Heidi after she begged me to marry her for like four months, chased me around, called me, texted me, smoked signals, all that. Just kidding. It was the opposite. But anyways, say, when I say yes to Heidi, 
I'm saying no to a lot of other things. Does that make sense? So a yes is also a no. And a no is also a yes. That's a decision. You can't have a dynamic marriage and, and, and say yes to that and then say yes to everything else. You can't say yes to Jesus, yes to following him, and then say yes to everything else. A yes also means a no. And a yes over here means a no over here. Okay, so when I say no to Jesus, I'm saying yes, I'm opening myself up to a lot of other things. That's what a decision is really about. In fact, there were some guys that Jesus invited to follow him. You might remember this in Luke, I believe it's chapter 19. And, they were, and Jesus comes by and says, hey, follow me. And, and this was basically what they did. They gave excuses. And essentially, what had happened was they had committed and said yes to something else. So they had to say no to Jesus. I said yes to this, I got to say no. I said yes to this, I got to say no. So what you got to realize is every decision matters. Every choice matters. Because you're not just choosing something, you're choosing, some, you're choosing to say no to something else. Or you don't just say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. And that's what the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is about. And let me just tell you this. And this may bother you, and this may frustrate you, but this is the bottom line. You can't have it all. I'm just going to just wait on that, right? I'm going to let that just sink in. Just let it just come down, enter into your heart. And your you can't have it all. Impossible. And so what God's saying is you can't have it all. You've got to choose. And so I choose to obey God. I choose to walk with Him, and I choose not to partake of the forbidden. Come on. Can I get an amen from anybody in the house? You know what I'm talking about, right? Decisions, decisions. And so basically, she, she opens up, she's, she declares what God had said, and then Satan, he's going to plant the seed, the lie. And watch what he does. There's a million different ways he could frame this, a million different ways he could lie, but look how he lies. He could have said, God didn't say that. He could have said, Adam bumped his head and miscommunicated to you. There's a million different ways that he could have planted the seed, because the Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies, but look at the lie that he told. Verse 4, you will not certainly die. Here's the lie. Are you ready? Do what you want. There's no repercussions. Take control of your life. Do what you want. There's no repercussions. You know, when we take control, we actually lose control. When we try to take control, we actually lose control. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He said, only if you lose your life do you find it. And those who find it or, or, or excuse me, control it or keep their life are the ones who, guess what? They lose it. By trying to take control, you lose control. So him ask this question. What are you holding on to? What are you trying to control? What are you trying to be God over? What are you trying to govern that God says, why don't you trust me in all your ways? Acknowledge me in all your ways, and I'll direct your path, and I will make your path straight. What areas of your life are you not trusting God in? Well, I'll tell you, very easy to look out. Where is there blessing, and where is there lack? Because usually where there's lack is where you're not trusting God fully. Well, that's good preaching, Pastor. Hallelujah, amen. Woo! And I felt it right there. Do a little, whew. all right. All right, number five. 
Verse 5. For God knows, this is the motive, for God knows that, that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. What does that mean? Basically, now, now Satan is creating motive. God doesn't want you to know. He wants you to be dependent on Him. And if you can know what God knows, then you can be like God. And if you know what God knows and you're like God, then guess what? You won't need Him anymore. You can be your own God. You can make decisions what's best for you, what's right and wrong for you. And you know how many people are living there right now? Maybe even this room right now. Maybe, maybe there's one of us, maybe all of us living in that space, making decisions. We're, we're blaming God, going, God, why, does bad, why is this stuff happening? God keeps, he's saying, you, are in, you have too much control. You're trying to be God. You're trying to make a decision. And now we have more relativity, more relativity. Well, it's, I don't feel like it's wrong. I feel like this is the right thing. I feel like this is best for me. I'm God. We acknowledge Him in all our ways, and He will direct our paths. Question, are you acknowledging God in all of your ways? Let me ask it again. Are you acknowledging God in all of your ways? Let me ask you like this. In what way or in what ways are you not acknowledging God? In what avenue of your life? Your career, your family, your marriage, your ministry? In what way have we not surrendered to God. Verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. And she also gave it to her husband, who was a numbskull, who was standing there, not saying anything, not doing anything, not speaking up, not being a protector, not being the priest. Hello! Now that wasn't the King James Version, that was the Chadwick King Version. But that was real and raw right there, who was with her, and he ate. So she ate, he ate, and it all happened because Satan got her to focus on what she wasn't supposed to have. And the enemy wants you to get, get your eyes off all that God's given and get you focused on the one thing that doesn't belong to you. If you can get your attention on the things that don't belong to you, then we reach out of our grace into something else that doesn't belong to us. Come on, somebody. Let me just tell you, we've all been there. We've all fallen short. Amen. And so she began to focus. She, it was a thought, then a touch. She began to handle She's like, this isn't so bad. This is, I mean, this thing is beautiful. And then she eats it, and then she gives it. A thought turns into a touch, turns into a taste, turns into a transfer. And sin doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. Amen? So you got to be careful because what you, what you start to partake of, others start feasting from that same table and it affects the whole environment. Verse number 7. Then the eyes of them both were open. They realized they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So mighty Adam becomes a seamstress. Can you imagine that? How many knows how to knit here? Not, not, not the ladies. Guys, how many, how many dudes know how to knit? David? Travis? Nice. Okay, how many know how to crochet? No, 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 not ladies. Dudes. 
So tra you and I are the only ones who know how to crochet. It's a shame. It's a shame. Anyways, all right. Adam and Eve are sewing fig leaves together. Why is that? Because when we sin, the first thing we do is we cover up. Got to cover it. Got to cover it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Let's just stay there for a moment. How do we cover sin? We cover it. We hot, we, we're hiding. We're, we, to fill the, see, you and I weren't built for guilt. We don't know what to do with it. We either have to hide it or we got to project it. Everyone's guilty. Everyone's mean. Everyone's bad. Or we bury it and now there's an eroding inside of us. So the first thing Adam and Eve do is they're going to put on, because like, oh, the glory's gone. That's interesting because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. The glory departed off of them. There was a glory that covered them. They weren't, you know, you see the pictures like in Sunday school and, and they've got uh, Adam and Eve and they're behind a bush, right? And they're, they're like, well, I don't know, they're back there just doing whatever they're doing and, 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 and it looks like, like the shoulders showing and this is before the fall. And no, 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 they, they were clothed, but it was glory. There was a glory that was there and all have sinned and the glory was lifted. There was a glory that we, humanity was made a little lower than Yahweh, than Elohim. The Bible says that we, we were made a little bit lower than Elohim. We were, we were made lower than, there was a glory that he put with glory and honor on humanity. But whenever we sinned, the glory lifted and man's exposed. There's no covering. So we cover, we cover, we cover, we cover our sin. And here's why we do small groups. You don't know why we do small groups? Small groups are, we have hiking small groups. We have, we have, woo yeah, amen, all right. And I, I'm with you on that. And uh, we, have, we have groups that, uh, next semester there's a Harley Davidson small group, okay? There's financial small groups. There's marriage, parenting small groups. There's end times uh, small groups and, and all that stuff, okay? But, but, and that's all important, but the most powerful piece to all of that is when we come together and we pull the mask off. Why? Because only then can we find healing. Your secret is your sickness. The bond of the church, there's something powerful that happens in community, that happens in circles, that doesn't happen in rows. There's things that happen in rows that don't happen in circles, but there's things that happen in circles that don't happen in rows. So we're learning, we're growing, this and that. But it's more than just hearing information. It's more than just going on a hike. It's about the connection and opening my life up and taking the mask off. When you take the mask off, healing. He wants to reveal it so he can heal it. Amen? Don't let the mess up, the sin, the guilt become the poison of your soul. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the first thing they did when they sinned was they covered up. The second thing they're doing now is they're hiding. This is camouflage. They're wearing fig leaves, and they're hiding behind the trees and the bushes. They're camouflaged. Anybody here, sir? I know Travis served... Travis served and he crochets. I love it. God bless you, my friend. 
Is there anybody else who served? Wore camo. We got some, thank you very much. Army? Navy. Awesome. I love it. Right, David? Awesome. 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 These guys, we served over here. Thank you, guys. This is where it started right here. Camo. This is where it started. Gotta hide. Here's the problem. God is not the enemy. You wear camo to hide from the enemy, and God is not the enemy. You see what I'm saying? And so they're hiding from God. Why? Because of sin. Sin has broken this relationship. And so what we do, our natural propensity, is to hide. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to face it. Push back and hide. Think about that. Let's just say this. Let's say that you have like something growing on your... The best thing I can think of, just to make it simple, you have a, something that grows on your shoulder. Boom. It's big. And it hurts. And you go to the doctor and you're like, doctor, there's something protruding out of my shoulder. And the doctor says, oh man, does it hurt? And you're like, yeah, it hurts. He's like, here, take this. This will take away the pain. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I don't want you just to take the pain away. That's the symptom. I want you to like do a biopsy, cut this thing open, right? I want, I want, I want you to find out what's the root of the issue. No, 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 no. Can't just, just cover it up. Wear shoulder pads. No one will ever be able to tell. <laughs> Ladies, remember the '80s when you had the shoulder pads? Come on, some of you were like, you could have played a football game. Your shoulder pads were so big. Okay, maybe those things will come back. I don't know, but put on big shoulder pads and just cover it up and no, don't don't worry about it. No, I want you to cut. I want you to X-ray. I want to know what's the issue. But a lot of us spiritually. We do this. We just want to get inoculated. We just want to take the pain away. Take the pain away. I don't want to deal with it. Just take the pain away. I don't want to face up. Just take the pain away. And again, God cannot reveal it until He heals it. Or He cannot heal it until He reveals it. It has to be revealed. It needs to be exposed. We've got to get to the nitty-gritty. And a lot of our issues are not symptomatic. They're not top surface. They're deep brokenness and hurts and wounds that happened to you and things that you did which created self-infliction and all this stuff that's in you and God wants to heal not just forgive but heal and we're running from him we should be running to him and he is not the enemy amen he is our friend amen and then it says this verse 9 but the Lord God called the man where are you where are you where are you I love this because no matter what man does, no matter how far he goes, man, keep, God keeps reaching for man. God keeps calling. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I'm reaching. I'm reaching. You think God doesn't know where Adam and Eve are? God's like, hey, where, where are these guys? We used to meet in the cool of the day all the time, and now they're not here. Where are you, Adam? No. It's like playing hide-and-go-seek with your kids. I love my kids, but they're terrible hiders. <laughs> Little toes sticking out of the, right, of the closet, and you pretend you don't see them. They're really good at hiding. I don't know where Jude is. He's giggling, and you can hear him, you know, like, like God's not tricked by us. Where are, he just wants you to come out. He wants you to step out. You can't hide from God. Come out. He said this, he answered, I heard you in the garden, I was afraid because I 
was naked, so I hid. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the Lord God said, what is it you've done? Oh, excuse me, verse 12. The man said, the woman you, you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit. She made, she made apple pie, and she made fruit casserole, and she made fruit cake, and, and uh, she, she force-fed me, and that's the issue. And then God looks at the woman and says, the Lord uh, said to the woman, what have you done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so the first thing we do is we cover up. The second thing we do is we hide. And the third thing we do is we're going to do the blame game. Let me just tell you this. If you get here and you start projecting blame on others, you're, you're, you're getting close to being very far from the answer. Because when you start fixing the blame, you're far from fixing the issue. Does that make sense? Who, whose fault is it? Who decided to eat that forbidden fruit? I did. Who said? Nobody's going to stand with you in judgment and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was him. He's the one. Like, uh, like he, he, no, you made a decision. Sin, relationship is a decision. Sin is a decision. Amen? So what does that mean? What it means is this, is that the blame game, everyone gets blamed. We're going to blame everybody. Eve's like, hey, it was the serpent, right? And then who did Adam blame? He blamed well, he blamed the woman. Thank you very much. You know my notes, don't you? You're always saying stuff out loud like that. All right, you want to preach this? Because you're doing it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My wife and her wrote this yesterday, so that's how they know all the... So here's the deal. It wasn't just... It wasn't just... He blaming the woman. He blames God and the woman. The woman you gave me, she forced me... She, she did this. Woman's like, no, Satan. So, so God's getting blamed. Humanity's getting blamed. Devil's getting blamed. Republicans are getting blamed. Democrats are getting blamed. NATO's getting blamed. The war, everybody, it's everyone else's fault. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it so easy to place the blame? The church is getting blamed. Oh, if the church was, if the church, even people in the church, if the church, the church, we, who's the, we are the church. What do you mean? Like, who are we going to point? Like, we are the church. So it's just easy to project blame instead of assuming responsibility. Let's take responsibility. Let's take responsibility. And so we cover, we hide, and then what do we do? We blame. And that doesn't work. And so <laughs> verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above the livestock and all the wild animals, you'll crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. That is a physical, that is a spiritual curse. We won't get into that. Uh, demonology, blah, blah, blah. But verse 15 is pretty cool. Watch this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Listen to this. This is important. Watch this. You ready? He says, the woman and all of her children, Eve and every one of her children, there will be a tension between the children of man and sin. The seed of Adam and Eve and all their children, children, great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
and Satan, you're going to bruise his heel or strike his heel. What does that mean? Ba- basically, God is saying this. Satan, you see the woman that you tricked and messed up here? You did this whole thing. You, you went through the woman to get to the man. So I'm going to go through the woman to save all of mankind. So every time a woman gives birth, your knees are going to be shaken. Because one of those days, one of those children to be born is going to be, a, is going to be he. It's going to be he, Messiah, Son of God. And, and when he comes, he's going to crush your head. But in the crushing of your head, his heel will be bruised. What it means is it's a simultaneous experience. So in the bruising of the heel is the crushing of the head. In the bruising of the Savior, in the bruising of the Messiah, that the Messiah would be a suffering Savior. But in his suffering, he's actually crushing the works, the power of Satan, that Christ would undo everything that was done there in the garden. That is why we celebrate Calvary. Because as they beat him, as they struck him, as they bruised him, as they pierced him, Satan didn't realize that every time they hit him, a little bit of his kingdom was being torn down. Every time they bruised him, God was healing us in 2017. Every time they touched his body, he saw the church in Santa Rosa. Every, every time... Come on. This is the gospel. This is what it's all about. God didn't have to come up with a solution. The solution was in Him. Amen? He didn't look out. He he looked within. Christ. Christ. And then we have something interesting that happens. Genesis 3 and 21. Watch this. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So that the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Now, follow me on this. Are you, are you, follow me, okay? Stay with me because we've got to get this. This is big. Think about this. God could have allowed Adam and Eve to go back into the garden and take the tree of life and that fruit, and they could have still lived forever. Why didn't God let them do that? I mean, aren't you, God, don't you love us? God, God, God hold on, I'm going to get there. Go, go. I know it's in your heart, it's there, but hold on one second. I want, you to, yeah, I want you all to think this through with me. I want you to process this with me, okay? Why won't God... Is God mean? Is he cruel? Why won't God allow Adam and Eve to go into the garden and take the fruit that will allow them to live forever? Why not? Here's why. If they eat of the fruit, if they eat of the tree of life, they will forever be stuck in a broken, degenerate, sinful guilt-ridden state forever. So God says, I'm going to give you a gift 
It doesn't seem like a gift, but it's a gift. I'm going to give you something called death. Death is bad. No, no, no. You're going to get a redo. See, when you die in Christ, you also will live with Christ. I'm going to give you what the angels didn't get. I'm going to give you a redo. If you eat of the tree of life in this state, you will live forever in eternity. Broken, wounded, lost, defamed, demoralized. He said, no, you're going to rule and reign with me. That's not the plan. So there's a man. There's a lamb. There's Christ. There's a plan. There's a Calvary. There's a death. There's a resurrection, a new body. You will live. See, I grew up in the Nintendo age. Nintendo, any Nintendo people? Tecmo Bowl, Contra, Mike Tyson punch out. I just feel the Lord talking about it right now. I just, well, we would play. And if, and if I didn't like the outcome, someone's beating me, I would sometimes conveniently just let my foot accidentally hit the reset button get to start all over you know what we get the great, the great gift that God gave us was what he took away no not now not now so here's what happens he gives us the redo we're going to have a new heaven a new earth a new body a new Jerusalem all things become new and all old things pass away. That is the narrative of this Bible that we love. God is for us. He's not against us. Now, I'm closing with this. Genesis 3 and 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and for his wife, and he clothed them. If you know the answer, please don't say anything, because I want you to critically think about this. Watch this. Adam and Eve are already wearing the finest from Paris. The fig leaf chample complet. Okay? They've sewn it together. They're looking good. And God has the audacity to come down and go, that's not going to work. Why? Don't answer it if you know it. Watch. What tree can you get a what tree can you get a coat of skin from? Think about it. Don't answer it out loud. Think, think. I want you to I want your mind to wonder what tree. Can I get a, a coat of skin from? And don't say a fir tree. That doesn't count. No. A skin comes from an animal. What has to happen to the animal? It has to die. Something innocent dies. Something innocent had its blood shed. So I could be covered. God said, your fig leaf cover, your, 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 your works aren't good enough. Because a lot of us are, well, if I, can just, if I can just, on the scales, if I can just get more good than bad. No, no, no. When I stand before the eternal presence of God, He's not going to see figs. He's not going to see my sin. There's a covering that's been prepared for me. In Galatians 3 and 26, New Testament, watch this, we're closing. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And this is the NIV. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on 
Christ or clothed yourselves with Christ. So when we are, hey, today people have said, you know, these fig leaves don't work. People made decisions to follow Jesus and said, you know what, these fig leaves aren't working. I need to get rid of these fig leaves and I need to put on Christ. Now when I stand before the eternal presence of God and he looks at me, you know what he sees? He doesn't see Chad King, eight years old, putting gum in his sister's hair. He doesn't see, you know, he doesn't see Chad King at 15 driving his parents' car around the neighborhood without a driver's license. I don't even know my parents know about that, which I hope they don't listen to this podcast. Amen. But all he sees is the righteousness of Christ that I've been clothed with. I stand unashamed in the presence of eternal God because I've been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Would you stand? Our team's coming up. Our team's going to sing. But for the next few minutes, what I want you to do is I want you to open your heart. Because there's people in this room today. Maybe you haven't understood the weight of an event 2,000 years ago that redefined your life and mine. That redefined the world as we know it. And this event changes everything. Hearts open, hands lifted all across this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I declare righteousness in this house. I declare favor in this place. Lord, those who have come into this house crawling from the valley, let them know who stands with them. Let them know that they've been covered. Let them know, Lord, that because of what happened 2,000 years ago, my life, my eternity is changed forever. And I will not live forever in a broken, Christless state. But I will live whole and in peace and in power, ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ and His kingdom forever and ever and ever and ever. God is faithful. We're going to worship. Lift your hands and your voice as we sing this.